just a second. All right, let's do this. All right, I'm actually going to continue to sit. All right, Psalm 19, 14. Uh, it says this, and again, I want to, let's do this as a, as a prayer. Um, so let's uh, kind of calm our hearts and uh, pray this together. Should be up there. There we go. All right. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's pray that again. We're going to slow it down this time. And let's pray that again. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Now what I want you to do is just listen. Don't say it. Just listen. All right? And I'm going to say, I'm going to pray it, and then you just listen, okay? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Cool. Amen. Be seated. So values matter. Values matter. Making sense of mission. Uh, here, are the values at Lakeland Vineyard, we have seven of them, um, and, and they go like this. We covered two of them last week, which was we will worship with all that we are. We create space for community. Uh, today, we'll be looking at our address matters. Uh, and then the next ones over the next week will be, we love the capital C church. Uh, we are spiritual contributors, not consumers. We engage in missions. We believe it is better to give than to receive. And like we went over last week, this apprenticeship to Christ, following Christ, being Christ's disciple, is that Christ informs mission, mission informs values, and values inform action. Uh, and so my desire is that from these go from written statements to actual action points that are in our life uh, as we are um, part of Lakeland Vineyard, as we're looking to impact the community that's around us, that these would become uh, things that come alive in that we embrace these things. Um, and again, that they turn into action because it's great to have values, but if we don't do anything with those values, if no action comes out of them, then we just have a set of values. Um, and it really doesn't make a difference. It might sound good, but it really isn't going to make a difference to the people around us. Uh, so I want to tell you a little story today I saw, and I just thought it was really cool, was uh, this guy finds an eagle's egg. Very illegal to do this, by the way, so do not do this. Uh, but he found an eagle's egg, and he put the eagle's egg, and he brought it back to his farm, and he put it in the chicken coop. And uh, the chicken coop, they welcomed the egg. They sat, or the mom sat on the egg, and then the egg hatched. And the eagle grew up with the chickens. And here's what the, here's what the eagle did. The eagle did exactly what the chickens did. So he scratched at the earth. He found worms. He clucked. He 
thrashed his wings with only achieving about five feet in the air. I don't know if you guys ever seen a chicken fly, but it is a, it is a scene. Um, and so he didn't get off the ground that far. All right. And then one day when he was old, he looked up to the sky. Now this is where the story gets a little weird because the chicken or the eagle uh, and the chickens are going to start talking to one another, but just go with me on it. He looked up to uh, the sky and he saw this majestic thing. And what he saw was a bird flying through the air with ease and with little effort and soaring. And uh, he looked at his friend, very smart animals here. He looked at his friend and he said, what is that? And his friend replied, that is the great eagle. He belongs to the sky. He is the king of all birds. We belong to the ground. We are chickens. So the eagle became a lot older and died. And his whole life, he just thought he was a chicken. Depressing story, I know. Pray with me. God, help us to see who we are in you. That the things that would try to consume us that are outside of you would be pushed to the side. That we may know you. Father, would you come and have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I tell that story. I know you guys, some of you guys are waiting for the punchline. No, the eagle just died. thought it was a chicken. All right? And so the story, why do I say that? I, I say that only so we can wrap our hearts around this next value. Um, because here's what the deal is. God's plan is bigger than you. His plan for you is bigger than you. Now, how does that make sense? Well, because God is going to accomplish in you the things that you cannot, you cannot accomplish by yourself. Now, I want us to think about that for a second. I want us to, to grasp that for a second, all right? Like, check this out with me. The creator of the universe desires to use you to do the works that he has for you to do. Now, at some point, we have to come to the end of ourself and realize that we cannot sustain on our own self-will. There is a point where we come to the end of ourself, and if I could give you some advice, come to the end of yourself sooner than later. And that's a process called submission. Submitting to the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. That there might be things that we want to do that God is saying, no, nah, I'm not calling you to do that. And the things that he's calling us to do, we might not want to do. And so this next value and its tagline goes like this. Our address matters. 2023 West Pipkin Road, 33811 if you're online and you wanted to send checks. Uh, it matters, okay? Our address matters. The tagline goes like this. We are not here to occupy a piece of property. We have a beautiful piece of property. I love this property. I love going out on it. I love mowing it when it's not 130 degrees. I love the people that mow it every week. Shout out to my dad and my boys, all right? 
and to James Prettyman before that, all right? And, uh, but the second part of that tag is this. We're not, we're not here to occupy a piece of property. We're here to serve our neighbors. We are here to serve our neighbors. What I want to do is I want to look at a couple scriptures. Most of them are going to be on the Air Bible. One of them is not. If you have your Bible, that's great. Please open it to Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 25. And we're going to go 25 through 29, so I'll give you a second to get there. Um, but Jesus says this, and he's talking about the most important commandment. And he says these words. One day, an expert uh, in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And the man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, a.k.a. not loving his neighbor. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And we're going to continue on to Matthew 5. If you'll open to that. Matthew 5, verses 43 through 48. Now this is in a portion of Matthew called the Sermon on the Mount, which we'll be covering in the first part of 2021, which I'm super excited about. And it says this, you have heard the laws, Jesus is saying this, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. And it says in there, some manuscripts say, and bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray, and then it continues. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true, true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both evil and good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, I want to take those two scriptures, and I want to, again, say our address matters. We are not here to occupy a piece of property. We are here to serve our neighbors. And so we have to ask that question. Maybe you've asked that question. I hope that you've asked that question. If you haven't, maybe you'll leave here today asking it. Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Now, I want to say this to you. You can be a great neighbor or you can be a bad neighbor. It is your choice. You have a choice to be a good neighbor or a bad neighbor. And I want to encourage you with this. Sometimes in life, even if you determine to be a good neighbor to the people around you, if you determine to love your neighbors, uh, this may end up in a, in a fantastic relationship where as long as you live where you live, um, there is just this neighborhood bliss. That can happen. And the opposite can happen too. You can love your neighbor. You can try to be a good neighbor. 
And you find out that the goodness and love that you're giving is not being reciprocated. And what do you, in those moments, here's the question that we have to ask. Will I still choose to be a good neighbor? Because how easy is it to love people that love us? It's easy. It makes it way easier. How easy is it to love people who don't love us? It's a little more difficult. So in both the previous passages, Jesus is talking about a radical transformational love. And I want us to, to take that in. Jesus is not talking about, um, oh my gosh, I love that coffee kind of love. He's not talking about, oh girl, I love you. Love you, girl. I've heard my teenage daughters say that. Love you, girl. Ugh, puke, okay? It's not that kind of love. All right? I mean, I guess it's better that they're not saying, I hate you, girl. So we'll take the other one. All right? But here, here's the deal. Jesus is referring to a love that knows no bounds. And I want us to grasp this this morning. Because as we go through this, this values, or these values, and we go through this morning, we've got to grasp this. This has got to be something that we take in. I mean, let's be honest. The love that Jesus was referring to looks ridiculous from the outside. Think about that. Think about how ridiculous that saying is that Jesus, that, that command Jesus gives us. Love your enemy. Now think about, does that make any sense? Where are you going to learn that out? Besides the church, besides Jesus, where are you going to learn that at? Love your enemy. Love your enemy. No, the world is more like, um, you know, forget that guy. Love your enemy. It looks ridiculous from the outside looking in. It is at times incredibly impractical. The love that Jesus calls us to is incredibly impractical. What do you mean I'm going to have to give up time to be in a relationship with someone? What? What do you mean you're going to call me to move somewhere else? That doesn't make any sense. What do you mean I'm supposed to give this item to this person? What do you mean by that? From the outside looking in, that love looks incredibly impractical. It looks ridiculous. But if we're loving well, it looks all-consuming. It's all-consuming. It's what drives us. It's what makes us begin to look at people differently as image bearers of God and not people who are our enemies. We are not called to condemn people. I don't know if you knew that. We're called to show them love. Wow, you don't agree with me? I love you. Think about that for a moment. Think about, I want us to really think about this because it's been hitting me like a sock full of pennies lately. Is this, is this. What if, we, what if we actually acted like that? What if we actually met people where they were and loved them where they're at? What if we let God do the work that only God can do? And, he let, and we let ourselves be the instruments that he would play 
to use that to do that work. But I bet you our language would sound a lot different. I bet you the way that we interact with people would be a lot different. As a matter of fact, I think that it would be so dramatically transformational that the world would be flipped upside down. We've seen it happen over and over again. What does our nation need right now? Our nation needs healing. I think uh, uh, President-elect Biden said it the best. There's a time to heal, and it's now. And whatever that looks like, I'm saying, God, have your way. Have your way. Our nation needs Jesus. That's the bottom line. And is the church going to be the church? Or are we just going to continue to yell condemnation at people? I'm just asking myself these questions too, so I hope that you understand that. I don't have it all together. Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 describes this love like this. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It always is hopeful and endures through every single circumstance. I added the single in there. Through every circumstance. Now, I don't know about you. I'm going to read that passage again, and here's what I want to do. I want you and your minds, don't do it out loud because it would be like kind of crazy, is I want you to put your name where it says love. Okay? And I'm just going to read it. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no wrong of being wrong or it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Okay, God is love. We are to be disciples of Jesus. We are to be loved to the people that are around us. I thought about this the other day. What if we were a, a peaceful presence when we walked into a room? Wouldn't that be awesome? No, what it is, when you come in here, it is just like, maybe you have an opportunity. I just, you know, trying to live my life for God, man. You know, you don't have to walk them through the Romans road. Just live a life that looks like Christ. And you will get to minister to people day in and day out. And you might be thinking, well, man, I need to work on some of this stuff. Great. That is a great place to be. That's a great place to be. Man, I'm not patient. Ugh, last week, not real kind in that one situation. Super prideful. I took credit for that thing that happened. It really wasn't me. It was like everybody. Doesn't give up. I gave up. God, faith. I lost faith. Momentarily, I lost it. And I was just in the, I was in the rungs, you know, of hopefulness. Wasn't there. And, and so what do we do? Well, how many of you read this passage and you think, oh, my God, like literally you're thinking, my God, I would love to be like that. 
Anybody? Like you think, I would love to be, I would love to be the example. But you, and then this second thought might come in, but that'll just never happen. I don't know. I'm just crazy enough to think when Jesus said that you're called to be perfect, that that's, you know, we're shooting for nothing less of that. And it's not performance-based. It's I am going to submit my life to Jesus, let him transform my heart so that I can become patient and kind and loving and not jealous and not boastful, not proud. Now, I don't know about you all, I become acutely aware of my desire for these things immediately after I blow it. You guys ever do that? You're going along, you know you want to be like that, but then you blow it and you realize in that moment, oh, that was not, that was not okay. You snap at someone and almost immediately you realize uh, your need for patience. You brag about something and suddenly you recognize how much pride that you have. And we all do it, right? We're all guilty of violating what is true love. We all take love and we kind of smear it around. But I believe God is calling us to a love that is transformational. And I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm going to be using that term a lot. Because I believe this, that God wants to transform us. I really believe that. And so, here's what you might be thinking. I was thinking this when I was writing it. Why am I talking about love when the value we're talking about is address matters? Why am I talking about love? Fair question. No doubt a fair question. But here's what I found in my short 41 years on planet Earth. I cannot love people well for a long time if that love is not flowing from the heart of Christ. I cannot. My judgment will take over. My condemnation will take over. My my impatience will take over. I cannot love them well. The only way that I can love people well is to truly become an apprentice of Christ. So that Christ is informing my mission and so that the mission is informing values and so that those values are then informing my actions. And I'm learning, and I hope you're learning today, and I hope you're learning through life right now that that it takes time. You're going to screw up. You might leave here today And you may screw up. That's okay. That is okay. Because it's going to happen. But here's where I think we we sometimes fall down and then we say, I'm just not going to get back up. I've lost faith. I've lost hope. And here's what I believe. This This ties into the last value of community is no. You will not lay down. You will not lose hope. Because I, as your brother or sister, am going to grab you. And I'm going to bring you along. Because this love is ridiculous. Ridiculous enough for me to care about you. Ridiculous enough for me to say, hey, let's do this together. Ridiculous enough to say our address actually matters. Like, wow. 
So why did I talk about love? Because if we, can't not, if we cannot love, starting with loving ourself, loving God, and then loving people, guess what? We can't love our neighborhood. If you don't realize that God has created you for something special, you need to realize that because he has. And when we realize that, we can start to be like, oh, God, you are so merciful and great. Oh, you want to you use me to impact the lives of other people. I'm going to say this twice just because I want you guys to get it. Perspective can prevent you from promise. Perspective can prevent you from promise. The other side of that coin is perspective can prepare you for promise. Perspective can prepare you for promise. How many of us are like the eagle? You sit around and you think, man, look at that thing. Look at that. Golly, that's amazing. That's soaring like that. And the whole time, you're an eagle. The whole time. You beat yourself up so much that you don't believe that God can use you, which is a lie. You've had a past that's kind of shady. God can't use you. Lie. Well, I'm messing up right now. God can't use me. Lie. God is paving a, paving a path for you. And he's asking you, will you follow me? And so this morning, as we, as we talk about this, uh, I just want to give you an example. Perspective. Earlier this week, or actually it was last week, Friday. I think it was Friday. I get a call from my lovely bride. And she says, hey, your car is freaking out. And I say, what do you mean? She says, every light is flashing, and we can't get it into park. I said, where are you? She said, Savannah. I thought, great. They get it out of park. They get it into park, finally. Detach the battery, her and a friend, and Detach the battery with hopes of, like, kind of resetting things. Put it back in. They get it back into. Now it won't go over 50 miles an hour. Take it to the Subaru dealership, which happened to be five miles away. Subaru dealership, long story short, can't figure out what the heck's going on. They reset the codes. They say, well, we don't know what's going on, but it's something major. Thank you. Shout out Subaru USA, if you're watching. Um, you can call me later. Uh, so... We go up, and uh, Monday was my day off, and there was really nothing I wanted to do more than drive to Savannah, actually, uh, with all the kids. Uh, so that dream got to come true. And so we went, and we go to Savannah, and um, I rent a U-Haul car trailer, and we tow the beast home. All right? Now, luckily, we have this huge van that I didn't even know the car was behind Matter of fact, a couple times I looked in the rearview mirror and saw the car there, and I was like, because I was like, dude, why is that person? Okay, but then I was like, oh, that's my car. Um, so that literally happened at least four times. I'm not kidding with you. <laughs> um, and so here's my perspective. 
My perspective is, hey, God, do you, do you understand that uh, Jen lost her job? Do you get that? Do you realize we don't have this excess of money that's happening right now, and I really can't do this right now? Do you get that? Do you understand that? So I'm driving the kids in the van. We come home. Everything gets taken care of. I take the car off the trailer. I return the trailer. I come home. And I, I don't know when it was. Uh, I don't even know. It was all a blur. Um, so Wednesday night, I'm dropping off the kids or something at youth group. and or my Whatever. It doesn't matter. We have this seat that shakes in our car. Unless someone's sitting on it. Well, I'm by myself. I'm already on edge, all right? I got this car, it's deal, you know. And I'm like, I'm like, I hit the, I hit the chair. I mean, in my hand, I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, and the thing, it didn't do anything. I thought for a second, but I think it was just my mind playing tricks on me. Like, I thought it stopped for a second. I was like, got it. And then it was like, me, me, me. I was like, oh. I'm frustrated, right? I'm upset. I'm so ticked. I'm so ticked. I love this car. Okay, love. Calm down. I really like this car. And uh, they don't know what's wrong with it. Something's major wrong with it, though. And Jen takes this thing like solo camping, like places where there's no signal. So we can't just have her breaking down. So I'm like, I hit the squeaky seat. It's, it started like a, like a, just, a, like a just a rambunctious child comes back at me. My hand for two days, like, I mean, I hit it good. I didn't realize there was, like, a metal bar in that thing. I thought it was all cushion. Like, goom, like, dad, what the heck? I felt so pastorly. So I was like, I wish there was a camera in here. And um, I could have yelled. I don't remember. I just saw red. No, I'm just saying. Uh, so I see this. But then I, like, immediately after, right, like, love is patient, love is kind. Like, God's got everything in control. Like, verses we say in, in, in church, you know, when we say, be still and know that I am God. Okay, can that chair be still and know that you are God, though? Okay, so, and I'm like, God, what is going on? But I realized this is, that was me trying to control the situation. It was me. It was my perspective. My perspective had lost. I had lost perspective. In that moment, I had lost hope because we're, we were a little bit upside down in the car, you know, negative equity, rolling this in, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't deal with this right now. Well, anyways, everything worked out. God provided. And so, um, yeah, so I got a new Corvette. So... I just felt like, I just felt like the Lord was leading me. That no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I got a Corolla. Calm down, okay? Like, <laughs> don't judge me. Uh, so, anyways, it all worked out. But I thought, man, perspective can prevent you from promise. Like God's promised that He's got us, right? But my perspective was, God, you don't have me. But then after I showed the chair, who was boss? Immediately afterwards, I realized, why did you do that? You're an idiot. And it brought perspective, like, God, you are in control. I am so short-sighted that I can't see that you're in control of this. And so what did I learn from that? Well, one, 
Don't hit a chair that you don't know well. (laughs) Two, uh, letting feelings be your master will make you fragile. Letting your feelings drive you will make you fragile. If you follow your feelings on everything, can you imagine following your feelings? I feel like popping my son's head off. Okay, that, we should not do that, all right? I feel like slamming on the brakes because these people are right behind me, which didn't help because it was my car on the trailer. So uh, I'll show them. I'm like, God, they got quick reaction time. Um, I'm swerving. They're following me. I'm like, uh, so, but letting your feeling, following your feelings, let them be your master. And, and let me tell you something, it will make you fragile. But you put your perspective and you say, God, you are in control. No matter what happens, you're in control, God. And watch what begins to happen. What, does life just become like all of a sudden stable? No, but your perspective changes and you know that God's in control and that no matter what, God is in control. Luke 6, 45 says this, A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces good things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. I want to read you this excerpt from C.S. Lewis. I'm a fanboy. Mere Christianity is the book. If you've never read it, you're probably not a Christian. Um, I kid, but you should really read this book. Honestly, it's really good. Um, and this is what I want to get at today. I hope that this is all making sense. And if it's not, I'm sorry. But I think it is. Is Our address matters. God has placed us here as a church for a reason. And it's to love our neighbors. But if we, can't, if we don't know how to love well, we can't, we can't love our neighbor then. Loving God, loving people. And that's what we're called to do. And not just certain people, every, every person. And so C.S. Lewis says this in Mere Christianity. And I just love this. It's, it's not too long, but pay attention. That is why the real problem of Christian life comes where people do not usually look for it. It comes the very moment you wake up each morning. All your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. And the first job each morning consists simply in shoving them back in listening to that other voice, taking that other point of view, letting that other larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in. And so on and so on all day, standing back from all your natural fussing and frettings coming in out of the wind. We can only do it for moments at first, but from those moments, the new sort of life will be spreading through our system because now we are letting Him work at the right part of us. It is the difference between paint, which is merely laid on the surface, and a dye or stain, which soaks right through. He never talked vague, idealistic gas. When he said, be perfect, he meant it. He meant that we must go in for the full treatment. 
It is hard, but the sort of compromise we all are hankering after is harder, in fact, it's possible. It may be hard for an egg to turn into a bird. It would be jolly, it would be a jolly sight harder for it to learn to fly while remaining an egg. We are like eggs at present, and you cannot go indefinitely being just an ordinary, decent egg. You must be hatched or go bad. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you've heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. If the God of peace is with us, we can love our neighbors. If we understand that our address matters and that we're here to serve, we can love our neighbors well. And who's our neighbor? Every single person that we run into. That's who our neighbor is. Stand with me.